Hey, this is Chad Brown. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com. It's time for Distractions with Chad and Nate. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Now, here's Chad and Nate. Yeah, first segment of the show today, Nate, you talked about uh, Russell Wilson kind of giving a, a, a breakdown of his daily schedule, and then the last meetings are done around 7 or 8. Uh, all I can say to that is good for these guys. Good for these guys. Uh, I did not have a training camp in any of my 15 years where the first week or two of training camp, that last meeting ended at 10 or 10.30 p.m. 10.30? 10.30. Yikes. Yeah. The grind of it all, the, the grind of training camp. Now, of course, the schedule had to be uh, lengthier in those days because you were allowed to do two-a-days, which yep. these guys don't do those yep. anymore. Right. Um, and good for these guys. I am not one to say, oh, my goodness, how dare they play football without two-a-days. Isn't that what you're sort of saying right now, Chad, no, that they're I'm, soft? No, I'm just, I'm just saying it's different, and it's better because of that. Why is it better? Why is it better? Because... Uh, a human being can only take so much punishment and still be at, at the top level of performance. If we're interested in getting the maximum out of human beings, then we need to understand how human beings work. Two don't a days, we want to push them to the edge and to figure out where their edge is? No, we, we don't. Two-a-days oh. in pads for two weeks in a row. That's how I started my rookie year. That was insane. I'm sure Bill Cowher, who put that practice plan together, would here in 2022 say that. Yeah, that absolutely was insane for him to do. We were dog-tired. Guys were getting hurt left and right. Practices were predictably sluggish and predictably sloppy. And you're, you got to fight through it, man. Fight through what? I'm done. I'm tired. Isn't that what football is about? Fighting through the pain, the doubt, the, the the fatigue, the exhaustion, and pulling something out of the hat. Like so. So you're saying that this team right here that we're seeing come on the field right now is a better team when they don't practice as much. Yes, you okay. are sharper. You are able to perform at a higher level. Are, are you, they more physical? Are they more physical? Are they better I, tacklers? Uh, better blockers? No. Are they tougher? Now you're getting into some, now you get into a little bit of the gray area there, uh, you know, because there is a way that you develop tough skin through tough practices. Uh, literally, your skin becomes tougher. The first couple of days of training camp, particularly in pads, you get bruises and scratches and scrapes all over your skin. By week two or three of training camp, you've got that tough skin going. You could fall onto a you know bed of. Uh, glass and it wouldn't cut you. Your skin actually gets tougher. Your body gets tougher. Uh, but from a pure performance standpoint, this this modern NFL is clearly the way to go. I am not going to be all, old oh, man, get off my lawn. If you don't do two-a-days, somehow you haven't earned your football stripes. Yeah, it still takes tough men to play football. It's still an incredibly physical game. Uh, these guys are far better athletes than most of us were back in my day. They perform at a higher level because we understand performance, nutrition, proper rest. Uh, the volume of work equals uh, how effective you can be in day in and day out. Uh, so I'm not jealous. I'm not hating. I'm actually happy for these guys that they are out of here by 7 or 8 at night. That they don't have two padded practices a day. Things are better now. I'm happy we're smarter. I'm happy football is safer because of it. Yeah, I'm not happy that they're out of here early, and I'm not happy that they're only practicing once. I'm not happy <laughs> that, they don't, that they have restrictions on the number of padded practices, and I'm not happy that they have uh, that – that the that, that FLPA has injected themselves so much in the daily operation of a football team. Yes, there's such a thing as overdoing it. Yes, it's violent. Yes, 
maybe a little bit overblown with some coaches, but I don't think there's any substitute for long, hard, hot practices with full pads banging, banging and beating the crap out of each other. I do think that a modified two-a-day schedule is the way to go. A, a, a long, full pad of practice in the morning and a lighter practice in the afternoon, something short, something quick, obviously no pads on after that. So, so I do think that there is value to working guys really, really hard. Because you find out what they're made of. You find out who your tough guys are. You find out who are the guys who can play with pain. You're going to need these guys to play with pain during the season. You are going to need these guys to play with soreness and to push through uh, the fatigue during the season. Training camp is when you get to put them through adver- adversity. You get to put them in an uncomfortable situation. You get to exhaust them and then run one more series and see how they react to that. The fourth quarter of a football game, two minutes to go. You've been in there the whole time. You have no timeouts. You have to move the ball down the field. How is your fitness level how is your heart how is your mental toughness in those moments you don't know that by protecting them all training camp and monitoring their you know output and making sure they've got enough fluids and doing all no you gotta <laughs> allow these guys to push it and push their limits and figure out what those limits are otherwise you're not going to know what you got okay all right before i re- rebut what you just said there uh ronald darby three days in a row warming up with the wide receivers oh. running through all the wide receiver drills there's a guy i think who wants to improve his pass breakup to interception ratio love it yeah so uh you know I- i've seen defensive backs in the past do things like that but ronald darby now three days in a row joining the wide receiver group as they go through those uh you know pvc pipes uh Different levels and all that stuff. Hate and it. Catch, catch football. Hate it. I hate, <laughs> I hate the PVC pipes. I hate the gadgetry. I hate the gimmicks. I want these guys to be dogs and go catch that rock. Squeeze it till it pops. Be ferocious when you attack the football. Don't worry about the PVC pipes. I get it. I get that it's part of it. So they have a little PVC pipe rectangle that you're supposed to duck under. It's a, it, that's about getting your hips low, getting low in and out of your brakes. I understand that. Uh, but an overemphasis on that little gadgetry to me uh, is, is a lack of emphasis on really the heart of the matter, which is going and attacking the football and coming down with a catch. Stoke. Stoke just walked in. He's dropping his bags here in the uh, in the booth. Uh, come a little closer so you can shout into the microphone. How do you feel about these wide receiver drills and the PVC pipes? My man Nate says he hates the PVC pipes. What's your feeling on the pipes? Wow. Um, you know, I never got the – I was never blessed, I guess, to have the PVC pipes. Yeah. Excuse me. Let me slow it down. Uh, so I never had to work with the PVC pipes. We had tennis balls we would drop down to help you keep low and stay low where you have to pick it up at the top of your break, things like that. Um, I don't. I, I think it's good because it gets your body lean forward, keeps you to stay low so you're not raising up in your break. And, and so, um, you know, I – I don't know. Did yeah, it hurt I, your back, Nate? Or no, like, what, no. What was, I never, I never did them. What I'm saying is, is the over. Like to me, this receiving core, and over the last couple of years, they haven't really unleashed their inner dog. They haven't been playmakers. To me, there's an over reliance on route running, the gadgetry, the, the 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 pipes, the cones, the things that they throw at you while you're. I want these guys to go get the rock. I want these guys to make these catches. You still want to be well, technical. Well, they're warming up. Yeah, yeah right. You I understand. Warm-ups. I mean, we, we could still be like, go get the rock and still be like a technically sound wide receiver. But you'll see they're going to be doing this. Runner. They're going to be doing this stuff in individuals as well. They're going to be doing this kind of like. So you don't like the details is what you're saying. You just want to go out there and just play street ball. Absolutely not. Is that 
Detail well, kind of off a little bit. So, here. so the, we, there, there are two elements to the play, right? Stoke, there's the there's the execution of the route, and then there's making the play. Once the ball's in the air, yes. you can't teach that part, right? Or you can't do uh, you can't do gadgets for that. But those guys are lacking that part of their game. Tim Patrick was lacking that part of his game last year. Cortland Sutton lacking it. Jerry Judy lacking it. I'm not saying you shouldn't do this stuff. Okay, but where's the emphasis? on the heart of the matter, where these receivers are going to take matters into their own hands and believe that over anything that happens, I'm going to catch that ball. So, Stoke, this is an extension of, of this conversation, which we started the segment with, was I was saying it's great that these guys aren't doing two-a-days in pads, that football has changed from your and my day. It's great that they're not in meetings until 10 o'clock, 10.30 at night, like we did in your uh-huh. and my day. And he is saying, no, you need to be tough in the, in the dog days of training camp and yeah. fight your way through it and yeah. fight through the fatigue. Yeah. And you need to be dog-tired to where you can't do another rep, but you find a way to pull yes. one more out of you. Yes. So I hear what he's saying, but I'm happy these guys have a, a uh, we, we can call it softer. I will go with the word a different, you just it softer. more scientific approach to performance than what was happening in our day where toughness superseded performance during the training camp process. Yeah, and I think um, overall, like you're saying, I think overall, like when you are grinding through two-a-days and you're putting all those hours in, I think it takes a toll on you towards the end of the year. Right. right? You can be fresher, but also there's something to be said about, hey, you know what? We're putting the pads on. We're going for two hours, and we're going hard today. And it's just one practice. And you know what? We might be doing conditioning after and, and things like that because football is tough. You know, the fourth quarter's tough, and you're going to, you know, in September and October, it's hot and humid in some places, and you've got to fight through some things. So I think there's still something to be said about that and doing that in practice at some point uh, throughout training camp. Uh, but overall, I think it's a good thing uh, with, with all the changes. I'm jealous of it. I mean, are, are y'all, I mean, are y'all jealous of it? I mean, how nice is this? I, I, I do say I could have played 20 years. Right. If I had played in today's NFL. Instead of 15, I could have got 20 in. You so, got five but it's also, it's also a lot harder for the guys on the back end of the roster to prove themselves in this environment. You see receivers who don't get a ball thrown them all day long. You know, there's really limit, point. There's limited opportunities for these guys, so you got to hope that a ball comes to you in one team period or preseason games you get unleashed. But uh, I think the, the opportunities are, are limited to the guys you're trying to learn about. Yes, but, you know, that's why I like what they do at the end of practice when they go, they take the twos and the threes yeah. on the other side of the field. Those starters are done, yeah. and they get some extra work in there for yeah. those guys that don't get a lot of reps, like you're saying, Nate, because it's tough for those guys. They, yeah. They're not getting a lot of opportunities because you're only having one practice and you have walkthroughs. You can't tell anything in walk. All right, so this was good. This was good because, you know, off so often it's an offense-defense thing. He thinks he's right. I think I'm right. So to bring in another guy, another former player, to kind of strike the balance, I definitely appreciate that. Well, thank you all for having me. I appreciate it. Anytime. Come and join us another time. Yeah. No, I'll tell you what. Highlight of my morning. I walked in here. I was thinking it was going to be a boring day. and I Look at that. Look at that. Golly, I don't know how it's going to get any better. Now i got to go work with Zach. You should, hey, you should just hour. go home right now. Just get uh, out of here. I think I should. You just think I should. End your day on the just high end. note of end joining it. Nate and Chad. Absolutely. <laughs> Appreciate y'all, fellas. Thanks, Stoke. All right, Stoke. All right uh, when we come back. Uh, that bass is heavy right now. That bass is definitely booming. They, the crowd uh, gave a, a roar as Russell Wilson, some of the receivers were over there by the, the hill. But when we come back to defense, uh, I got them winning the first two days of camp. Is this a good sign to see the defense a little further ahead? We'll talk about that next. Live from UC Health Training Center, Elite Sportsbook presents Training Camp 2022. Ready to ride. Here's Chad and Nate. 
That was a third down period. It was offense versus defense. It's really, it's really competition period. You know, whoever the offense got the first down, they win the competition. If we stopped them, you know, we win. So, you know, we had to make the play. That's just goes to show how we've been competing at a high level each and every day, getting each other better. So, Sam talking about uh, the end of practice play he made yesterday, two days in a row. Uh, the practice was sealed by a great defensive play. Yeah. Uh, you weak-minded offensive dude. Sorry. Wow. Oh, my bad. I'm letting my inner thoughts come out on the air. My bad. Yeah. Well, Stokely, Stokely and I were just having a, a debate off the air about this receiving core. And what you just said was the last two practices, a receiver has flubbed the ball to end practice. Essentially, yes. Right? So we And, and, um, and obviously, Patrick Tan made a great play on that ball. Right. But when those guys in that receiver room watch that play, uh, on film, Cortland's going to say, I got to catch that ball. Yep. It was in my hands, and if you want to get technical here, you go up and catch it, and to secure it, you have to turn your shoulders, turn your body, and pull that ball into your chest. Now, he didn't have an opportunity to do that because Pat Sertan timed that perfectly, but at the same time, man, that's a 50-50 ball. You're the receiver. You get paid to go get that. I know Cortland Sutton can make those plays. Nobody can stop Cortland Sutton if he decides they're not going to stop him. He is the most physically gifted receiver out there. When he wants to, he can turn into beast mode. I want him to stop holding back on that. I want him to unleash the Kraken because he can do that. And those plays in there are how you do that. But you are going against the guy who's probably a future all-pro, right, in Pat Sertan. So that's how you cut your teeth. That's how you sharpen your sword. These guys are getting good work every day, and hopefully it shows up on Sundays. Uh, at the end of practice one, uh, Jerry Judy had a ball taken out of his hands because he didn't tightly secure that ball. Right. And uh, yesterday, after our show ended, you and I were standing on the uh, in the end zone. Jerry Judy catches the pass and then kind of lazily tucks that thing away. It's like, okay, man, you got to learn these lessons. It's okay to make a mistake as a football player, but we cannot be mistake repeaters. If you had a ball in your hands and someone knocked it out of that, you need to be for the next week with a constant mental focus on each time I catch the football, i got to secure that thing as tightly as possible. The very next day, Jerry Judy's still lazy with the tuck after the catch. Yeah, and those are little kind of technical stuff you can work on in the individual drills and, and the routes on air and all the stuff you do before it's actually a team period. You're getting a chance to get your hands on a ball and tuck it immediately. You see when these guys catch balls from the jugs, they catch it with their hands, they tuck it immediately. Four points of pressure immediately. Those four points of pressure on the ball, um, it, it goes the claw through your fingers, that ball flat against your forearm, the other point against your bicep, and the fourth point is down there against your side. If you're holding the ball like that, it's going to be hard for them to poke out. Defensive players, they're always trying to get at that ball. Yeah, we are. They're being taught in those meetings, get that ball out, punch that ball out, attack that ball, especially when you see a guy like Jerry Judy who has a tendency to give it up. So they're even going to try even harder when they see him. Get at that ball. He's got to reverse this trend that's happening. Earlier in the show, you talked about the down-pointing arrow. Right now, he's got to turn that arrow up. It starts with his attitude, his body language. I want to see him bouncing out here. I want to see him first in line, not last in line. Taking each drill that they tell you to do and working on the thing they tell you to work on. That's the stuff you can control. You can't control how many balls come your way in practice. What you can control is the little stuff from drill to drill. How enthusiastic are you? Coaches are watching that stuff. If I'm a coach, I'm scanning the faces of my men and asking myself, which one of these guys is ready for the fight? And which one of these guys doesn't want to be out here? Every day, you've got to ask yourself that question. And the guys who are ready for the fight are the ones you trust on game day. Yeah, this... Uh 
defensively, I have not been in a modern defensive meeting room uh, during my internships and not had a team that had a constant tracker of turnovers caused by the defense, uh, attempted turnovers. How many guys got attempted strips? How many guys got uh, attempted punch-outs? Each of those was recorded by an assistant coach, and there was a tally going. And there was a bit of a competition going between the defensive line group, the linebacker group, and the secondary group to see which group would win the day, which group would win the week, and which group would win the overall training camp battle with attempted turnovers. So for a guy like Jerry Judy, other teams are watching tape. They are going to see that you're loose with the football. Therefore, you are going to be targeted even more. It is your responsibility as a player to change the narrative as quickly as you possibly can. Otherwise, that becomes a narrative. And every time he takes a, he makes a catch, there's going to be all those defensive backs trying to strip that ball away, which is just going to lead to more turnovers. You're talking about trying to strip the ball away. Sierra just trying to prevent her son from running on the field. She just walked past us and with the kiddos, and Russell's youngest was trying to run out there on the field and join this special team's drill. He might not be ready to be a quarterback, but he's ready to cover kicks, okay? <laughs> Get him out there and see if he can uh, make the tackle. Looks like uh, the special team's work is uh, kickoff coverage where you uh, – Got to get your hands on a, a blocker and then shed that blocker and somehow maintain your lane responsibility. That seems to be the first uh, part of special teams here today. Uh, some of the other guys warming up. We see the defensive backs casually catching the football, seeing Justin Simmons, who's been really outstanding the first two days of training camp, showing his tremendous range. Uh, maybe he's not ready, as I said yesterday, to be an NFL wide receiver. The guy <laughs> is one of the more rangy safeties in the NFL. What I mean by range, when he's playing that center field position and back there in the secondary, his ability to anticipate the throw of the ball, get a great break on the throw of the ball, and cover all that ground to be able to play center field and also get to the numbers, get to the sideline. One of the best in the league at that. Yeah, the first day I think he had uh, two picks. Yesterday, he tracked Jerry Judy on a deep ball, and that wasn't even his man. You hear Nathaniel Hackett yesterday talking about that play. They were trying to pick on somebody else. I think Jerry Judy had him beat deep, and Russell Wilson launched that thing. He, he threw that thing in outer space, and Justin Simmons tracked it. He's very, very long. His range is really impressive. He was able to track that ball and put up that long left arm and knock that thing down. So uh, he's, he's a, I think he's the, as good of a center fielder type of free safety that there is in the NFL. Yeah, uh, you know, so when you think about safeties, you know, there's guys like uh, Brian Dawkins in the box, safety playing up against the run, guy like Troy Palomalo leaping over the line of scrimmage and more of the in-the-box safety. Uh, Justin Simmons is more in the Ed Reed mode of that center fielder anticipating quarterbacks' uh, throws, getting a break on their eyes, you know, having tremendous range back there and somehow being a great eraser. If somebody makes a mistake up front, uh, uh, somebody running back gets through, somebody misses a tackle, be able to get those guys on the ground. Safety, when I would always talk to my Pop Warner teams, is short for save us if something else goes bad. You're the safety. Save us. Someone else made a mistake. Save us. Give us a chance to line up again. Just get those guys on the ground. Justin Simmons is certainly a very capable tackler, but also a guy with great range and a great ball skills when the ball's in the air. Yeah, the special teams uh, work is going on on one field. On the other field, there's some. you got three receivers working on footwork. you got Corlin Sutton, Tim Patrick, and Jerry Judy. Any concern of yours, Chad, that none of those guys are doing special teams, or are you okay with Jerry Judy not working with the special teams? <sighs> okay, so 
the the distraction segment. You and I had the contrast between my acceptance of new age football and your adherence to old school football. Um, and I was a little uh, maybe high, uh, had some hyperbole with my acceptance of today's game. Um, but I, I thought one of the smartest things that Bill Coward did was made sure that all the receivers played special teams. Because as a special teams coach for most of his career, he recognized that's where toughness was developed. Um, so he made all the receivers, first-round receivers, seventh-round receivers, undrafted receivers, all those guys had a role on special teams. They were not standing over on the side during practice. They were a participant. Now, once you became a true starting receiver, then maybe you got pushed off that group, but you had to participate in that and learn toughness. I would love to see a role for those guys because it – it demands a different skill set, a different mentality out of you than just being a receiver does. Uh, I would think you would agree that your time on special teams made you a, a tougher overall football player. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and, I, and, and if, look, if Corlin Sutton had to do that, he would be very good at it. If Tim Patrick had to do that, he would be very good at it. Uh, Jerry Judy, I don't know if he has the kind of the physical instincts to be a special teams player, but at the same time, when you have had a couple bad practices in a row and you are starting to feel the heat, you got to go do every single drill. you got to be doing everything as fast and as hard as you can. Now, I imagine they asked him to go over there. So Coach Azani wants to work with those three. Those are the big three receivers. They're not going to ask those guys to play special teams. I get that. But, uh, man, the more you can do, the better off you'll be. But I just wonder, who's pushing Jerry Judy for the number three spot right now? Because KJ Hamler's not in there. Uh, so who is that guy? I, I don't think I don't see him yet. He hasn't emerged. Um, so until he emerges, I think Jerry's not going to feel that push from behind. But as camp goes on, you're going to see guys start making plays. And when guys go down, maybe with a little hamstring or a hip flexor, they're out for a couple days, then you see some guys get more and more reps, get more balls thrown their way. Then you're going to see some guys emerge, and you're going to get – Jerry Judy feeling pushed from behind. He's got to kind of get everyone out of his head and get back to playing football. The competition of training camp that drives guys to greatness, I want to talk about that when we come back next. Live from UC Health Training Center, Elite Sportsbook presents Training Camp 2022, ready to ride. Here's Chad and Nate. Criticism of today's football continues off air by my partner, Nate Jackson, watching the receivers catch tennis balls one-handed. <laughs> Again, now, so to, to, to defend your point, uh, you know, I played with Jerry Rice basically his last year of playing. He came to training camp with your Broncos the year after he played with me in Seattle. Uh, I never saw Jerry Rice catch one tennis ball. No. Not one single time. No. In offseason, in off season, uh, the word is used catch bricks. Okay. Well, to, to strengthen when he, your... When he was a kid, right. his dad was a, a brick guy. He laid bricks, and he would go help his dad in the summers. Yeah. Yeah, that's the, 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 the tale about Jerry's hand strength. But in my entire time watching Jerry Rice, which I studied Jerry Rice when he was a Seattle Seahawk. He did not catch any tennis balls. He only caught footballs. They were all regulation-sized footballs. They weren't smaller or bigger or different weights. There were no PVC pipes on the field. It was just Jerry Rice running routes and catching footballs. Yeah, and you talk about running routes like the Jerry Rice years versus these receivers now who run routes. Even the route running is a lot different. Like, Jerry Rice would want 
would, would explode off the ball. Right. He wanted every stem to look exactly the same. Now, if you watch Jerry Judah, you watch a lot of these receivers. They, they do a lot of stutter, dead leg stuff. They're trying to set you up with a lot of gimmicky kind of back and forth, uh, shifty stuff off the line of scrimmage where everything doesn't look the same. And it's I guess it's a different philosophy on ways to get open. Um, and so, you know, we have a texter calling me old school by the way that I was talking about two-a-days and whatnot. And I am a little more old school with the route running. I think you come off the ball with, with, with pace all the time and you make everything look the same for the first three steps. Um, but um, there's clearly a different way to run routes now. You see a lot of the kids doing it, setting them up with a dead, dead leg, you know, two fakes this way, two fakes that way. You think I'm stopping. No, I'm not. I'm keeping going. Now I'm going to hit the slant. Uh, to me, that, that, that creates some timing issues with a quarterback. And if you come off the ball the same every time, the quarterback knows where you're going to be every time, and if it if it changes based on the you know uh, what move you want to give, then it can create some timing issues. Uh, I teased out before the break the the competition, and you mentioned with no KJ Hamler, uh, who is competing with Jerry Judy for that third wide receiver spot. I've always thought the competition is what what drives desperation, what drives greatness during training camp. It takes a very self-motivated person to have no sense of competition and still come out here and deliver every single day. But when you've got someone barking at your heels and every time you watch tape, you go, man, that guy's getting better. I got to find a way to find another level to my game. That's what pushes you forward is that is that competition within the position group. Uh, so it's a friendly competition. There's no hate. There's no no one's drinking haterade. No, we're driving each other to be better. But that competition within each position group makes overall that position group that much better. Yeah, and you look at these receivers at the bottom end of this roster. Every single one of them right now, not named Jerry Judy. Tim Patrick or Cortland Sutton are working on special teams, and about half of them are back there catching kickoffs. Okay, so who's going to be the returner? I know they drafted Montreal Washington to do it, but if someone else can do it better, he'll be the guy who does it. Right now, you're seeing uh, Trey Quinn, wide receiver with four years of experience, who just caught that kick and uh, returned it. So Kendall Hinton's back there. Um, you know, Caden Davis is back there. All those dudes are back there trying to uh, – uh, Montreal, Washington, clearly, obviously back there trying to prove that they can be the returner. K.J. Hamler, the question is, can he be a returner? So it's all it's it's all to be proven right now. This is the proving ground. This is where you got to show your coaches. And this is a new regime, by the way. So anybody who was here on the past regime, they don't, they don't have any loyalty to you. They weren't pounding the table on draft day in 2020. You know, if George Payton had been in here in 2020, do you think Jerry Judy would be the, the receiver they would have taken? No. Or would Justin Jefferson be a Bronco? Probably. You know what I'm saying? So yep. so these aren't your guys. So who is going to impress you on a daily basis? That's what these guys got to remember. Uh, for, for Jerry Judy, obviously, there's, you know, there's his position on this team that is at stake with the news of DK Metcalf's uh, deal. Three years, $72 million extension, $58.2 million guaranteed, $30 million signing bonus, highest ever given to a wide receiver. Uh, DK Metcalf will be a, a free agent again uh, when he's 27 years old. That's the kind of generational wealth that is out there for somebody who can emerge as a top-flight wide receiver. So Jerry Judy has that kind of opportunity out there for him. So even if there's not someone barking at his heels during this training camp, hey, man, look around the league, see what these guys are making, and, you know, buck up so you can be part of that crowd. If you're motivated by money, which I think most athletes are, then look at the, look at the dollars and get yourself going. 
Yep, uh, that's you know that's the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. But there's a lot of work that has to be done before you get to that pot of gold. And it's not just about catching the football. It's about the little stuff, doing the little stuff the right way every day from period to period. You heard that horn blow, and they're off to another period now. That's another chance for these guys to make an impression. How's your body language? Are you ready for this fight? Are you sulking? Are you slouching your shoulders? Do you look demoralized? Or are you ready to do this? Are you ready to atone for yesterday's mistakes? Or atone for a bad play? Do you want the ball back in your hands? Are you looking at your coach saying, yep, let's do this? That's what they want to see from these guys. Um, And as training camp goes on and and guys get more and more sore, you're going to see more opportunities for guys that didn't have them at the beginning of camp. Right now it's all about getting getting your number ones familiar with what's going on. As training camp wears on and you feel good about your number ones and their digestion of the offense and defense, you're going to put some other guys in the, into some situations to see how they respond to them. And ultimately, Chad, as this season wears on, you're going to see people making crucial plays in football games to help your team win that you didn't even know about in camp. These are guys that are stuck back on the uh, on the depth chart who might make the practice squad get brought up. So the back end of the roster is really important to curate along with getting your starters prepared. All right, we're watching the DBs go through some individual drills right now. Uh, third day of their, their group kind of be positioned right in front of our tent here. Every single drill, Justin Simmons is the first guy up to go. When you were doing drills as a wide receiver, how did that slotting go? Did you try to be up front? Were you a back guy? I mean, you know, it, there was never a, a conscious thought, i got to be first in line, because typically Rod Smith was first in line right. when I was a receiver, and we just all kind of fell in behind him. It wasn't like, you know, the guy who's last in line, uh, it, it's a knock against him. It's about how you do the drill. You could be last in line, but if you bust your ass in the drill, then cool, that's fine. Somebody's got to be last in line. Um, you just got to take advantage of the opportunities that come your way. Now, if you're walking to the next drill behind everybody who's running, and then you're last in line and you're and you're going through the motions there, that's a knock against you for sure. So, uh, yeah, if you're always the last guy in the line, maybe there's a problem there, unless you'd like to bring up the rear and put an uh, exclamation point on it. You know what I mean? So there are, there are different ways to look at that. To me, it's how do you execute your rep when you're doing it? Are you clean with your technique? When you cast that ball, are you tucking it away quickly? Are you crisp with the way you're coming in and out of your breaks? And are you paying attention to what I'm saying or what we're trying to accomplish with each drill? Every drill has a point to it. If you're missing the Should point, yeah. you know what I mean? If you're missing the point, like if the point is to get off the jam and smack the guy who's got a uh, who's got a who's got a pad in front of you then you got to do that hard and if you're not doing that hard you're missing the point of the drill and i'm taking notes so whenever the safeties do a drill justin simmons is the first guy in line whenever the cornerbacks do a drill pat sertan leads that group um that kind of stuff is noticed from a coaching standpoint who tries to be first who is establishing a even a form of leadership within the drills themselves uh the first guy who leads the drill generally sets the tone and the pace and the intensity of that drill. So it's always nice to have guys like Pat Sertan and Justin Simmons be those guys for you. Because now you don't, as a coach, you don't have to say, all right, guys, this is three-quarter speed. This is full speed. Let's really get after it. Those guys set the tone for you. Uh, when they and I come back after the break, we are going to give a wrap-up here from uh, the first uh, – half of practice in day three and maybe give our predictions for what we expect to see on uh, Saturday. Uh, That'll be next. Live from UC Health Training Center, Elite Sportsbook presents Training Camp 2022. Ready to ride. Here's Chad and Nate. The 
rain is gone. We had rain yesterday. We got blue skies out here at UC Health Training Center. So thanks, Jimmy Cliff, for letting us know that you can see clearly. I can see clearly as well. Uh, I just saw clearly Justin Simmons snag a nice over-the-shoulder uh, pass in these drills they're doing with the DBs. They have them, you know, doing backpedaling, coming forward, and then running back and then throwing it over their shoulder. It's always an awkward angle when these DBs try to track a ball over their head like that. So it's good to do drills and, and strengthening your case that Justin Simmons could be an NFL wide receiver. Was that catch he just made? <laughs> All right. I'm happy you're slowly coming on to my side. The inside linebackers are... Working their run fits. Got a couple of trash cans indicating uh, probably some offensive linemen uh, going through their drills. They did bag drills earlier, working their footwork over those drills. A linebacker, particularly inside linebacker, your footwork is critical for you to be able to deal with a guy who could be outweighing you by 100 pounds as far as an offensive lineman. How does footwork help there? Because you've got a great base underneath you. If your feet are too close together, if they're too far apart, you've got no shot to be powerful when you're dealing with an offensive lineman. And also, if your feet are too narrow, too far apart, or even uh, maybe you got one foot in front of the other, then it's difficult to make a powerful tackle and stop a, a running back in his track. So your footwork as an inside linebacker perspective may be the most detailed footwork of any uh, defensive position because of your ability to have to run with the fast guys but deal with the biggest guys, uh, your footwork is paramount for your ability to do that. Yeah, number 47, Josie Jewell, probably the only clear-cut starter at inside linebacker right now, probably the smallest guy out there as well. So he relies on technique. He relies on his footwork. He relies on his instinct and his ability to digest the playbook, see tendencies in the offense, and use his brain out there. He's not the biggest dude. Yeah, Jonas Griffin has been getting the run uh, next to Josie Jewell when they go with their uh, base defense here the first couple days of training camp. Uh, tomorrow is going to be a, a big day. They've, uh, I guess, given away tickets. Uh, we heard 4,000. You heard 4,800. Uh, the, the hill is looking pretty full today, so I'm going to assume it's going to be a complete capacity crowd tomorrow. And my experience uh, as an intern coach says the coaches like to have a more competitive, spirited practice in front of crowds like that. So I'm expecting yeah. a good show to be put on out here tomorrow. Expecting a good show today, too. So so just like yesterday, they spent basically you know almost an hour going through drills, going through technique stuff, going through individual work. Um, they haven't come together as a team yet. There hasn't been offense versus defense yet. They're just doing the kind of the nuts and bolts stuff. I imagine they're going to come together pretty soon and unleash it. Uh, it is the biggest crowd we've seen in these first three days. That hill does look pretty darn full. There's a, I see a little patch of green grass up there to the left, but for the most part, it's at capacity. You got people lining the uh, the concrete up at the top, and you got you love to see it because that first day was, I don't know, I wouldn't say concerning, but just what didn't what it wasn't what you expected. A little over two thousand, so I would say they're close to four thousand right now. Yeah, we were concerned. Uh, maybe folks were taking a, a wait-and-see attitude about this Broncos team after being you know, sold different lines about different quarterbacks over the years. Maybe they were taking a wait-and-see attitude. I think that was just because it was Wednesday and people couldn't break away from work. Again, past the crowd up there on the hill today, and I'm sure it's going to be even bigger out here tomorrow. Yeah, and I'm interested to see this offense basically and, and what wrinkles or what uh, extra kind of installation level they put in today. First day was the ground floor. Yesterday was that second level. Today's going to be that third level. And obviously the defense, who starts to key in on tendencies, hopefully will get fooled by, be, by thinking you're doing one thing and you're doing the other. That's what this offense is all about. 
doing one thing, doing it well enough, and succeeding at it to where the defense says, oh, we got to stop that, or we got to be ready for that thing. And then you do that thing again. Oh, no, you didn't. You did another thing. You show them the empty hand, and you're out the back door. That's how you build on this installation process one day at a time. Takes a lot of classroom time. Takes a lot of memorization. Again, these guys don't leave this building till 7, 8, or 9 o'clock. What are they doing for the rest of the time they're here? They're studying. They're watching film. They're doing walkthroughs. They're trying to get the mental reps down. Uh, now, we, as a de- as, de- as defense, we start to You don't have to do anything. You go and watch movies. No, we throw in wrinkles as well. So as time goes along, there'll be a... a, a there, What's be- an example of a defensive wrinkle? Okay, so at some point here uh, in the next couple of days, there's going to be a team blitz period. And so as a defense, we are going to uh, – the offense obviously knows that blitz is most likely going to happen, but it's also going to be fake blitzes where we'll get you to check down to your safest play possible because you're expecting blitz, and now we don't blitz. So that would be a defensive wrinkle. We've shown you this blitz, this look before so many times. Russell Wilson gets under center. Check, 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 check. He calls some super safe play. It goes right into our hands, exactly what we wanted. We want you to check out your play into this run play that we've already got dialed up and we know – that's your check going to be. That's an example of a defensive wrinkle. That constant chess match between offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, the look of the defense, the inside linebackers and the safeties versus the quarterback, getting that quarterback to check out of this preferred play because he thinks we're going to be aggressively on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, so so it'll be interesting to see as, as this offense evolves and it gets more complicated for these guys, are they going to move with the same pace? You know, is it going to be as clear to them to get in and out of the huddle, to know exactly where they're supposed to be, where they're lined up, where the motion's going, where the shifts are going, uh, who's supposed to be in the huddle, what the personnel group is, and that kind of thing. So, um, yep, as, as you build on it, it gets more complicated. The language, the, the book gets bigger, and, and you need to carry more in your mind. And so one of the things that can sometimes hamstring a young player on offense is just thinking too much. Just trying to memorize the plays and thinking about it when you walk to the line of scrimmage. That's why they install it once in minicamp. They install it again. Uh, I think in, I think it's three processes of installation of the same thing. So the first time they meet in OTAs, they install it. Then they meet again in minicamp, and they install the exact same language. You go through the exact same meetings. And then again at the beginning of training camp, they wanted to commit it to your memory. So you step out on the field, don't have to think at all, and you can just rely on your football instinct. These football players have the most refined best football instincts out of anyone on planet earth that's why they're here okay so as a coaching staff you got to find a way to cut that part of it loose it's not always about executing your plan as a coach it's about teaching them the plan and then letting them use that as a platform and 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 perform on top of that what else can they do outside of your plan that's what makes the team special yeah it's easy here in the first couple days of training camp to practice quote-unquote fast because your mind is not full of all these different things that just have been installed for the last week or so. So we're in that space now where the guys are still running around practicing fast because there hasn't been a detailed, you know, full install yet. But the, the, I guess the proof of the pudding will be over the next couple of days as they continue to add more and more of the playbook in. And what's up for practice goes from, oh, it's 10 plays. No, it's 30 plays. Okay, all 60 plays that have been talked about here in the first week of training camp can be up for practice. I'm going to go out there and be able to execute 60 plays. That's when guys start mentally slowing down. That's when coaches start yelling. That's when conversations about pace of practice and pace of plays and we're thinking too much out there, all those kind of things. We start hearing those comments. 
as a as a linebacker, defensive lineman, at what point does the soreness peak for you in training camp? Because for me, and it was a little different from receiver to tight end, but around day four, day five was kind of the peak soreness, fatigue, dragging ass, and then you kind of get through that, you work through that soreness, and by seven or eight, you're not really sore anymore. You're battle-tested and ready to go. Uh, there's two phases, I think, from a linebacker, defensive lineman perspective. Yeah, about day three or four, your legs, your hips, your groin are sore because of all the explosive movement that you're doing. But then probably day three of pads is when you put those pads on and you're just putting the shoulder pads on. Make your, you're like, oh, man, my shoulder's sore. And you put your helmet on, you kind of move your neck around like, oh, man, my neck is sore. So that's, you know, the kind of the two phases, the movement phase of soreness and then the pads phase phase of soreness so somewhere around uh day nine or ten you start to develop a tough skin and to be able to move past that and you can get dressed in the locker room without taking a uh, a virtual assessment of every single body part that's sore on you yeah it really is a position by position thing when it comes to the way your body reacts to the demands of training camp to the demands of a padded practice receivers their necks aren't probably going to be very sore right right their shoulders aren't going to be very sore but their hip flexors their groins their hamstrings those things get real bad real quick because the explosion with which you're coming off the line of scrimmage coming in and out of your breaks getting down the field against these guys these dbs who are ready for you man it's just a, it's it's just a several ticks up from what you were doing in the off season from what you were doing in otas and minicamp even this is another level and so you're challenging your body in new ways and it's really important to take care of your body off the field to get treatment to stay hydrated to eat right to get your rest to get stretched out and warmed up before every practice because a lot of times you're waking up in the morning and you can barely get out of bed well, that uh, wraps it up for Nate and I here at uh, day three at uh, Broncos Training Camp 2022 at UC Health Center. Uh, the news of the day since practice really hasn't gotten rolling yet is uh, Derek Wolf is in town. He has signed a one-year deal to retire as a Denver Bronco. We are optimistic we can get him to stop by the booth. Uh, obviously won't be during our show, but maybe one of these later shows as uh, the day goes along and have a chat with the fellas. Uh, congrats to Derek on a tremendous career. Uh, I was part of the fan coverage when he was drafted, and we all said Derek Wolfo. He showed up and showed us exactly who he is. So a uh, tip of the cap to him. Uh, that's it for you and I. Um, Stokely and Zach, those dudes, they're next. Hey, this is Nate Jackson. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com.